The CFB Winning Edge podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. For as little as $5 per month, you can help keep the show running and completely ad-free. Join as a Tier 2 member for access to our 2022 FBS team profiles and coming in May, our complete 2022 returning production database. Visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge to learn more or to become a supporter. Welcome back, everybody. It's the CFB Winning Edge Podcast Edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. Joined, as always, by the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. You can follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. And Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. We got uh, a decent amount to talk about today. Uh, Jordan Addison is going to be probably the biggest uh, piece of news that we'll be discussing here. But we also had the NFL draft, and this is one of the very few shows where we uh, discuss the NFL kind of more in depth than we would on a normal basis. Uh, Xavier was there with me on day three. Nick was there with me. Nick, I, first of all, you were there with me on uh, day one, and this is Nick going into it. I don't know how much I'll be able to give you about these players. I'm like, well, what do you think about Trayvon Walker? And you're like, well, his blood type is this. His address is this. This is his social security. And you're like, you know everything about these guys because you've been watching them for four years. And you're like, well, from the NFL side, I'm like, I know all the NFL stuff. So you were uh, a delight to talk to on day one. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so um, it, it was very, very enjoyable. And I know you're not the biggest NFL fan, but we were we were building some franchise on day one, and we got to see nine trades go down. We got to see um, one QB drafted in the first round and not a, have another one go until the third, which is just insanity to me. Um, there were a lot of other markers, a lot of wide receivers getting traded up for, a lot of schools with specific picks. Georgia went crazy in, in, in the first round, and overall in the draft, Cincinnati had – uh, a ton of draft picks as well. So, uh, Nick, I'll start with you. What stood out with you the most uh, about the 2022 NFL draft? Well, the the draft itself is always a fun event, and I, I mentioned this when you had me on, and I, I appreciate that. It was certainly a lot of fun to uh, to talk about it, but I feel like, and it's already basically happened, where sort of once the NFL draft occurs it's almost like my uh hard drive resets or whatever the right analogy is i i just completely forget you know all these players it's like they almost never existed it's not something i do on purpose and it's not like you know i hate the nfl or anything i i do intend every year at least the last few years you know set a, a resolution of sorts to pay more attention and, and watch more but for just whatever reason uh my you know, the, the space in my brain is, is uh, finite <laughs> and it just, you know, once guys aren't in college anymore, I, I, you know, I, I forget, I lose quite a bit. And so um, it, it was, you know, it's always fun. It, it's interesting when, you know, unexpected things happen, like the quarterbacks this year was a, a very big change uh, from in years past when we saw, you know, a lot of reaches, 
early in the first round and and it seems like franchises have uh shifted maybe you know learned from past mistakes uh to where this year in particular there just weren't guys worth um giving up that you know first round pick to try to you know focus your entire franchise on a uh player of you know this just got a lot of question marks not anywhere close to a finished product and um it's kind of interesting i you know hearing some of the people who of course a lot more plugged in than i am talk about it where in some cases it seems like teams are uh almost taking kind of a, a reverse uh you know position on team building where uh, some are, are saying, okay, let's let's fix everything else and then add the quarterback sort of as the last piece to to get us over the hump. And so that's, you know, just kind of an interesting thought and, and different than when we've seen guys like, I don't know why, but the first name that pops in my mind is like Christian Ponder. He was like a top 15 pick or something, right? Yeah. Um, and just, you know, guys like that. Um, he's certainly not the only one, but uh, reaches. And, you know, that pick, that first Blaine round Gabbert. pick. Exactly. That's that's he's certainly one that that comes to mind. Uh, you know, it comes with a lot of uh, hype. Obviously, it comes with a lot of you know uh, just, just pressure, really. And so, in some ways, it was refreshing to see that guys like Malik Willis, who you and I talked about, I still think has the you know highest ceiling of this in particular. You know, this particular group, guys I like Sam that. Howell, who you know had a lot of experience very productive career uh certainly some aspects of his game that uh you know i think will will um you know there is to like about him as a football player and and hopefully as a pro matt corral similar but it's good in a lot of ways i think for those guys not to have you know quite that pressure to be the face of the franchise right away and and who knows maybe one of them will develop into you know that under drafted underrated star eventually and and we'll be able to talk about uh you know how did how did this team wait so long or miss out on this you know great quarterback um but uh, you know looking back at, at teams as a whole you mentioned Cincinnati I was just looking through the list um of draft picks a little earlier today they had nine draft picks Cincinnati and the vast majority of those guys were you know, recruited to Cincinnati. I think Jonathan Ford was the only transfer, um, which is just incredibly, incredibly uh, impressive for a group of five program for what Luke Fickle did. Uh, comparing them, you know, Cincinnati had more more players drafted than any team outside of Georgia, who had a modern record uh, for seven rounds of 15. LSU, who just continues to, to churn out NFL players, uh, regardless of sort of what the results are on the field. And, you know, they had more than Alabama. They had more than Oklahoma, more than Ohio State. The entire state of Florida had five draft picks this past year. So incredibly, incredibly impressive. And, you know, you guys brought up Cincinnati last week when we were looking at change in roster strength numbers and were surprised that there were more uh, you know, a handful of teams that lost more than Cincinnati. If we actually look at, you know, uh, pro level players, Cincinnati is, is uh pound for pound. You yeah. Know, has to replace probably more than, than just about anybody, but uh, a lot of, a lot of interesting things. I mean, that, that in particular struck me just how good of a job Cincinnati did of identifying players, developing them into, uh, you know, pro 
prospects, NFL draft picks, um, the 28 wide receivers, 13 of the first 54 picks, pretty interesting as well. Uh, but the big story, and you know, we've already spent plenty of time talking about it, and, and I'm sure everyone will talk about it all summer. Uh, the quarterbacks, you know, one in yeah. the first round and uh, only one in the first two rounds, which is a big, big change. So I, I talked to Xavier on day two and day three. And Xavier, I said to you about Pickett, I'm starting to get used to it. But here's the question I keep going back to in my brain is let's say that Pickett hits his absolute peak, right? He's the best Pickett he can be. Where does he rank? in quarterbacks between Pickett, Burrow, Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson at his very peak. He's still four, isn't he? I mean, you'd have to think so, right? I mean, the only person that you could even, as a, from the quarterback situation, the only person that you could even see him passing would be Lamar Jackson. And that might be blasphemy for me to say with him winning an MVP. So you you would think that Pickett, it's probably still the fourth best in his division, but honestly, that might not be a bad thing. Like, hey, at sometimes, sometimes the fourth best in the division still gets two to three years where he has a real shot at the Super Bowl. Like, and that just, just reminded that, me of, you know. of the AFC uh, West with you know, all right, you yeah. go and you add Devontae Adams to the Raiders, and you're still, still fourth. Yeah, you know, you're still behind Denver with Russell now. Uh, you know, uh, obviously the Chiefs have been in the AFC championship four straight years and Herbert is an absolute stud. Right. So you're probably still fourth. It's not, you you still do the work, right? Mm-hmm. You still go out and get the guy that, that you think can be your, your guy. But to me, this looks a lot like Kirk cousins versus Aaron Rodgers for the future. And I don't like being in that spot. I'll well, that. I, I, I'll say this much being in a division that pretty much the best quarterback in the division kind of went in flux every other year, you know, uh, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, and Drew Brees won MVPs four years within one another. Right. And so when that's the case, you just hope that for a, a two or three year span, your guy is the guy in the division. And that's all you can really hope for. Right. Like Gotta build the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what all you can hope for. You know, I knew Matt going into every year was probably quarterback number two, but in some years he was quarterback number three in the division, you know? And, you know, if, if it wasn't for the Bucks being such a bad franchise at the time, he may have been even quarterback number four in some years. Like that's just kind of what you end up happening when you have a competitive division as you guys now have, especially at the quarterback position. But th- that's just kind of the, the reality of the situation. Um, heck, even when Brady entered the division, Cam was still there, if I'm not mistaken. So like you, you've got situations where, you know, you just hope that your quarterback for – you know, your, your team is the best and your quarterback is allowed to have a really, really great year, even in amongst other great QBs, because even Drew Brees had like three, seven and nine years throughout his time in, in New Orleans. And so you're like, OK, cool. He's a bona fide Hall of Famer. But if we could catch him slipping because his team isn't good, by all means, we're going to take it. Uh, and that's all you can really hope for. Right. Yeah. Well, what else uh, stood out to you in, in this draft? I mean, there's a lot to pick from. A lot of small school mm-hmm. guys going, like Nick just mentioned. Uh, Georgia was uh, crushing people in this draft. Cincinnati had uh, so many players drafted. Uh, a lot of trades, lots of trades yeah. for wide receivers. Uh, what what else stood out to you in the NFL draft? Scott's, Scott's not going to like me for this one. Uh, but the run on oh. punters. <sighs> There was a huge run on punters in like the fourth round. You're not wrong, right? Absolutely. It's just upsetting that that <laughs> punters are UDFAs. You know, I'm sorry. Unless you unless you can get the 
Who's the best punter in NFL history? Uh, 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 this is my Landetta. Is that his uh, yeah, first yeah, name? Uh, yeah, Leckler, <laughs> Shane Leckler, Shane I Leckler, think, uh, was Maybe. was good for Thomas Morstead. Uh, I mean, this is my point. You know, I just, I, just I, I just asked you, I could ask you any other position, uh, and you would have an answer. Who's the best cornerback of all time? Right? That's tough. Yeah, but yeah, yeah Dion would be the first one. But, but you would say Dion, Dion. You know, uh, Champ Bailey was great. Rod Woodson. There's many, yeah. many Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. right? There's a reason there's not a Hall of Famer a punter in the Hall of Fame, right? Like, it, it, I, I understand that stood out for you, and that's fun. But what actually stood out for you, Xavier? Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I, no, genuinely, I thought that was really, really weird. Um, just, you know, there was four spe- – no, When Arazio was, uh, was the third one taken. He was the third exactly. one, yeah. The, the best punter in college football Everybody's was the favorite. third one. And, yeah, and wasn't it was the four... guy from Penn State? I can't even remember his name. Yes. Yeah. You know. And there was four specialists taken in that round as a whole. The Browns taking another kicker. It was – Hold on. Did the punter go before uh, the linebacker? Because they had obviously they had Dotson in number one, but who's it? Uh, yes. Brad Smith. I'm pretty sure. Brandon Smith. I can't remember his name. Uh, I'm almost. But, I'm almost certain about that statement. Like that's that was. Crazy, dude. Like I, I know that that was like a, a nothing stat, but it was just weird for me that like there guys was out here getting CTE and, and the punter goes ahead of him. It's yeah, there's just, just some weird run on punters there. But no. Um, yeah. Outside of that, obviously you talk about the quarterback situation. Um, going, it, you know, obviously. Did you ask if if Stout went before? Uh, yes, he did. Smith. Yeah. He did not. He did not Smith, okay. Smith went first. Spent within uh, the third. And, and Stout was 130. Oh, okay. so it was a 10 pick difference. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but he did go ahead of Hassan Haskins, Romeo Dubs, uh, Bailey Zappi, Calvin Austin. I'd say Bailey you know, Zappi some, went some, ahead of Sam Howell, Howell, correct? Uh, or, some, yeah, Sam Howell. I mean, yeah. Quality. Uh, some some college players. Impact college players. Yeah, that, that we spent a lot of time talking about. Those. By the way, uh, this is just a side note, and, and I know you know this is funny because this is like supposed to be our short, shortest show of the year, but uh, this is a subject that I like to yap a lot about. So m- maybe it won't be. But um, nice. how about I, I feel like I like Matt Corral's landing spot worse, even though he went in the third round to Carolina, than I do Sam Howell going in the fifth to Washington. I still like for like fantasy and stuff. I still dynasty. I still put Corral ahead of Howell because third versus fifth is a big, big, big difference. Right. But I think Matt rules getting fired after this year and uh, there's going to be a new coaching staff. Are they going to like Corral? We have no idea. At least the coaching staff in Washington is going to be around for a little bit. And, you know, we know that Carson Wentz sucks and Tyler <laughs> Taylor Heineke is not the answer. So maybe Hal sits for a couple of years and can get uh, a job because at least the staff likes him. Now being a fifth round pick, you can get cut at any point. That's a difference right. between the fifth and the third. But I just, that was my first thought when I saw Matt Corral go to the Panthers, like Matt Corral probably has to be on the field this year and play well for a new coaching staff to like him. So that was just something very that well possible when you've so. got, you know, Carson Wentz at the quarterback position. So, <laughs> right. I mean, all very, I mean, whether by play or by, you know, by gurney, there's absolutely a chance right. that you get to an opportunity to play with, you know, Carson Wentz is in front of you and Taylor Heineke might be the de facto backup right now. That's probably the comp that I like the most for Pickett is like, uh, Pickett is, uh, Carson Wentz with a brain. Uh, that's kind of what, oh uh, man, that's, that's a said. stretch. That's a stretch. 
I think I think Pickett's arm is even better than Wentz's. Wentz ha- does this weird thing where he throws footballs like he's a third baseman. He's all, he gets this super wide stance and attempts to like fire it in there. And it's like, yo, you're not throwing to you know Anthony Rizzo. You're trying to throw it to a moving target. <laughs> like. You know, like like he, he does. He he mans this wide stance that doesn't make any sense for a guy who's like six five. Like I've stood next to Carson Wentz. He's a big dude. For him yeah. to like drop himself from like six five to almost six two to throw a football is like if Drew Brees decided not to jump. It was like Yeah. Okay. It's all right. Kenny Pickett makes up with baby hands. It's fine. So, uh, you know, uh the, the know hand you, stuff, you. dude. I've got <laughs> I've got this AirPod meme. Texted to me yes, seven times. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's a giant airplane. I think I think Zavi, did you send it to me on Instagram? Zavi I did as well. Yeah. Yes. Oh, course. by the way, uh, this is this is hilarious, Nick. You're, you're gonna appreciate this. Guess who I got a follow from on Twitter this week? Who's that? Xavier Trish. Oh, yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> dude was not following me. We've done this show for three years together. He's not following me on Twitter. I give it at the top of every show, and he was gonna slide it in. And think I didn't notice it because it was like at 2 a.m. when he decided to follow me. Thought I wasn't gonna notice it, but I did. Xavier, what are you doing to me? Come on, dude. Honestly, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't. I didn't realize it until we were midway through the draft. Yeah. Yeah, Matter of fact, I tagged you several times in tweets. Right. And like, it it was funny because I always wondered. I was like, okay, he doesn't come up when I immediately type in Bog, and I don't understand why. And then, and then I'm sitting there and I'm trying to tag him in another tweet, and it's like. You know, you see the following over the top, and it just didn't say it. And I was like, <laughs> I know reason to unfollow Scott. So, like, why we're, why are we here? Uh, but it's no, yeah. it was just, I just found it funny because I was like, he's trying to slide this in. Like, I'm oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. I, I was like, I was like, Scott's and I, almost forgot, I almost forgot to call you out on it uh, during the show, but I'm sorry. I keep getting us off track. What else about this, the uh, draft um, is worthy of, of talking about here, Xavier? I mean, you. I mean, obviously, you guys hit on the Georgia players. Uh, the la- I think this is the first draft without a Texas player. Was that correct? Or I don't know if it was the first or uh, one of, in, in a very long time. Yeah, that went yeah. Without a, a, a Texas I mean, I got a ton of those texts too. Of you know, uh, Lenore Ryan having more draft picks <laughs> than Texas and all these other every other school. Yeah, I get it. You know. It's funny, you know. Um, yeah, but Bijan's going in the first. I mean, round. and I just think I think there's just you know, lastly, just the sheer depth of this draft. I mean, I was on for day three, and we were talking about like bona fide starters, like genuinely good players that were still left on the board. You know, we were we were sitting there talking to ourselves, uh, talking uh, on the podcast about like you know Jamari Sawyer fell to like the fifth or sixth round, and, and yeah. like, you know. Guys that just didn't you you wouldn't have thought would have fallen that far. Even like guys like my Jack Sanders was picked number one hundred. You know, uh, Nicobe Dean fell due to like some medical issues, but he went eighty third, right? And like there were just so my favorite many part about that. Players. My favorite part about Nicobe Dean is everyone saying, "Well, Nicobe Dean was only successful because he had Jordan Davis in front of oh, yeah, him, and, and Jordan and, Davis and was eating up two blockers, and Jordan Davis got drafted by Philly too." So I I love that. That's kind of a you know. Not even uh, not, not just Jordan Davis, but you know they've got another huge Fletcher human being Cox. over there named Fletcher Cox. So yeah, Nicobe Dean's one brave digger. Right. Yeah, yeah, they got a pretty good uh, rotation of defensive tackles in Philly for sure. Yeah, so. he's not gonna be able to get to the A gap. Yeah, he's got three three hundred pounders that can all get to the Q- <laughs> QB at will. This guy's just gonna be filling whatever he needs to do. Uh, but yeah, just I mean, we we they clearly you know 
the depth in this draft is unlike any other draft. And I think that's going to be the case just like in general. I don't think we're going to yeah, have that kind of depth forward. next year. Like there were receivers being taken in like the like Calvin Austin and company who genuinely like two or three years ago might have been taken in the early second. Like, you know, like th- those are just kind of the situations. I this think was that still were- the fewest uh, wide receivers selected in a long time. Which is so wild to me because like it drops way off. Way off. Like, yeah. 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 You know, there was this you, you massive run sure. in the first round where like everybody went and got a receiver. You know, even if it wasn't a guy that was in the draft, shout out to the Eagles we're going to get AJ Brown. But like, you know, everybody went and got one, you know, but yeah. like, you know, I think that from a, from a draft perspective, it made it a lot more fun to like know the guys in the fifth and sixth round. Like typically we end up talking Nick with the stats. Of course, this is the second time a Texas player hasn't been drafted since 2014. Yeah, uh, I have thank, nothing to add to this conversation. Thanks for so I'm the, just going through and looking. Thanks for at, the stats, Nick. Know, I'm, Appreciate I'm just, that. I'm just doing yeah. the, <laughs> the stat boy role here because I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, what is, what is it? Bear on uh, college football game on game day? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, I just think that it was really fun from that perspective because I felt like you were allowed to be more engaged uh, as a fan. You know, going into, you know, obviously the nerds like me and Scott were sitting there, you know, gravitating to most picks, you know, on day three. But, you know, it (laughs) it was fan for, I think, the the, the quote unquote casuals um, that were allowed to even know the guys that were being drafted. They were like, who is this guy? Like, you know, they were scouring YouTube for like, you know, three minute highlight reels of a guy coming out of, you know, Charlotte. I I mean, Nick. What can you tell me about Montreal Washington, who got drafted by Denver? Can you tell me anything about him? Because I don't you, know. Uh, you're not giving him time. Is. You're not giving yeah, him well, time. Well, look, I'm I'm just I'm just, I'm just asking because I didn't know anything <laughs> about him at all, and I still don't. I haven't looked him up yet. So, um, <laughs> I just uh, I Montreux, think I saw Washington, that. Ah, see, no, if if uh, if it's an FCS player, unless. Uh, Unless they're from the Ivy League, I don't, I don't know very much. <laughs> Unless they're from the Ivy League, I love that. Uh, so a lot of EJ Perry, of course, he was at Boston. Wait, this is the kid who went crazy on Florida. If I'm is not that mistaken, right? the yeah, the Stanford kid. Okay, yeah, this past year he had a, uh, a, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he had a kick return touchdown against Florida this year in the swamp, which was remember, that was, was remember the when, same day that Kansas beat Texas. I know because I was in Austin for that. <laughs> yeah, game. yeah, you know, uh, it, it was hilarious because Stanford was like genuinely giving it to Florida for like two quarters before Florida finally woke up and he was a part of that situation. Yeah. I think they were uh, up at halftime. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I remember that. So that, that is okay. All right. Now we're getting somewhere as Xavier Xavier knows, but Boom. Uh, I tell you what, my, one of my favorite parts, and I know Nick, this is uh, probably one of your favorite parts too. The 2023 mocks that come out just <laughs> immediately afterwards, um, you know, because you go back and you look at the ones from last year and they're rough, dude. Like it's uh, Spencer Rattler is the number oh, yeah. one guy off of most boards. Um, I think Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are the number ones off most boards this well, season. Hold on, one hold I on. saw just before we started recording had Will Levis. Take yeah, what is this? Before Bryce Young. Okay. What is this love so, for Will Levis? What is happening? So let me just say this. I don't think I've seen a mock without Will Levis. Right? Right. So, but ahead of Bryce Young. So so I I worked for a while in the you know content creation industry. I, I get it. I understand <laughs> you know uh, why these things happen. People engage with them is is part of it. Got to pay the bills. You know, I get all that. Um, I don't 
get you know too mad about them because I've done you know things like I've never been like an NFL draft mock guy, but I've done my fair share of lists of you know uh, from this team here's guys to watch maybe from the next NFL draft or whatever. Um, so I get it. I I get that you want to you know. Uh, some guys you want to take a chance on and and uh, be the first to you know put them pretty high, but I mean one as you mentioned, look at it you know look at this time last year and compare yeah, Spencer Rattler. Perry uh, yeah, yeah. Winfrey was, or I'm sorry, Demarvin Leal was like five overall on like yeah, everything. Kane Hutchinson, yeah. uh, K- uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was the number one pick on every board mm-hmm. uh, this time last year, which is still a top five pick. Evan Neal was in there. So there's some good ones, oh, but sure, there's right. some garbage too yeah. in there for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and some of the ones that we've seen already, and it's interesting to see, uh, you know, college football people, you know, my, I'm, I have a college football brain and have seen some discussions of other people who, who operate in a similar space to me. And we're looking at some of these that have like DJ Uyunglele. What is that all about? Uh, that Eric guy might Gilbert, not even be starting as like a top 10 pick in a lot of, let's watch him know. play first. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, there's still plenty of time. A lot can happen. Um, you know, good and bad guys can rise, guys can fall, you know, even as, you know, we, we, you say Spencer Rattler being a kind of a laughable pick this time last year. Um, but we didn't necessarily know that. I mean, you know, oh, I remember talking we all summer arguing about, with that. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. And so it's, you know, some of these might look at, you know, looking at, at first round mocks right now, I've seen Phil Dracovic a couple of times that could be absolutely right. I don't see it necessarily today, but who knows, you know, I didn't, right. I didn't see Josh Allen coming. Uh, so who, who knows? Um, but it's just, I get it. I, I understand why these exist. I understand why everybody is, you know, way too early, everything all the time. I, I understand, uh, you know, I try to get our rankings out as soon as we can in March or whenever it was. Um, but yeah, they're just the they a lot of them at this point so far in this particular cycle look a little silly. And I, you know, I kind of like Will Levis. <laughs> you know, I still I think DJ Uyunglele could bounce back. Uh, but them as you know the second and fourth pick or whatever they were seem seem like a little bit of a stretch at this point. Yeah. So um who Nick, do you have a guy that they're not putting in the mocks yet that you're like, this guy definitely needs to be in these is there one that stands out to you on either side of the ball well not uh, not that's uh just left out but i'm a little surprised that will anderson hasn't been like number one the first or second pick in a lot of these yeah Yeah. and and you know he, he might have the same sort of thing as thibodeau where uh it you know it it seems pretty clear that he's you know the most talented guy and, and will anderson would have been the first overall pick in this draft right? I, mean, I, mean, I think there far. could have been you know multiple players who are still in college who, who could have been the, the first overall pick next year but or, yeah. or excuse me this year um i don't know that's that's a good question uh the running back class i know that you know uh, a lot of people really like Brees Hall. Uh, he was the first guy taken and was a second rounder. So there's a thought that, you know, anybody in the first round, um, 
even you know, B. John Robinson I saw was like 22nd. That seems a little low, and, and next year's running back class is really, really good. I'm one of the world's biggest Jameer Gibbs fans. Um, so he's two. It, it's a little bit of a little bit of a push and pull for me because I understand that you know the the value isn't quite there for running backs, but there's a few guys coming up next year who are just uh, special players. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where they land. Uh, other than that, I mean, nothing, nothing comes to mind immediately. Okay. Xavier, you, and, and maybe I can uh-huh. search for somebody uh, real quick. Uh, yeah. What, what have you seen from, from the 2023 mock so far that has you either rolling your eyes or questioning uh, what's in them so far, Xavier? That the fact that we just had a really crappy year for quarterbacks seemingly hasn't taught anybody anything. Like, that's the first thing that I'm thinking of <laughs> at the top of my head. It's like, hey, guys, listen, just because quarterbacks the most important position in football, it doesn't necessarily mean that four or five teams are just going to go right off the bat and take a QB. But but the history of the NFL up to this draft has suggested and, otherwise. And I, yeah, no, and I like, get that. The class has to be yeah. real bad for them to not go after them. So. Right. You know, uh, that that's why I'm not surprised by like Richardson getting put in the first round, even with Levis, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, he's got to take a huge step, but uh, it's not outside the realm of possibility. And I think a lot of that is like, you know, who had Joe Burrow going in the first round the year before uh, he exploded and set all the records. Oh, and yeah. The national title and all that stuff. So I think guys want to be that first guy in on a quarterback. So it's not that surprising, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think the NFL is shifting to, hey, look, we'll go with a mediocre quarterback for a little bit and surround him with a ton of talent and see if that gets us there. Um, you know, I don't know if it will, especially because the quarterbacks are always Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Safford. You know, it, there's not a lot of uh, Ryan Tannehill's going. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it could work. It's worked in the past for teams. It's just been a while. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. You know, I would say he's a middling uh, quarterback. He, he was really good on his role. Nick Foles won a uh, Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, Carson Wentz was a star before him. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, it's just kind of surprising to see that position get pushed down. But nah, I, I'm with you. Was there anyone, like I asked Nick, was there anyone left off of these that you're like, come on, or maybe drafted too low, like Will Anderson. Oh, I mean, Will's obviously the one I was thinking of right away. Um, I think this, I want to say this as politely as possible. Everybody's trying to find the next Kyle Pitts. And there has been this uptick in the last year or so that I've seen with these mock drafts, especially 2023, where like Eric Gilbert is like a guy that everybody is almost penciling in as a sleeper to be in the top 10. Um, on top of that, you get you've just got more tight ends in the top twenty in the, in the first round than maybe I've ever seen in in mock drafts. You've got like Eric Gilbert, possibly Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Um, you know, you would have Brock Bowers on there if he wasn't a true sophomore. Like these are some of the things that are like are happening now that I'm seeing in mock drafts. That I'm like, okay, like we understood that Kyle Pitts was a freak of nature. You know, and you yeah. kind of are starting to see, though, there has been this uptick on, you know, tight ends being more, you know, uh, more sought after. And you're kind of and I'm seeing somewhat of a reflection of that in some of the mock drafts. Heck, yesterday or this morning, I even woke up to a, a, a Instagram post somebody sent me. Uh, gosh, I can't remember what website it was from. That was like 
we said Kyle Pitts was a generational talent. Maybe we won't have to wait another generation for Kyle Pitts. And it was a picture of Eric Gilbert. And I'm like, oh, okay. The kid hasn't played a snap in two years. <laughs> uh, you know, like Brock Bowers will probably still be tight in one. But like, you know, yeah. like these are these are types these are the types of things and the trends that I'm starting to see with you know the NFL and at least with mock drafts, there's been more of a pertinence on tight end maybe ever when it's come to the NFL. That I think for a long time, if you had a really good tight end three versus like now getting a really good tight end is like becoming more of the mean than just you know, uh, a luxury piece was Bauer is, uh, was Brock Powers. He was a true freshman last year. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So he, he won't even so be eligible. So he's not eligible, yeah. but right. that's yeah. the only reason why he's not on here because right for sure. Yeah, had, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I was just making sure I had that mm-hmm. right. But, uh, uh, Nick, did, did you, uh, scroll through and find anyone else or, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm coming up empty. <laughs> I don't, I don't and, know. And look, it's just, uh, it might just be too early for me. I don't know. That, well, but that's also part of it. Like, you know, we, we can say, I, what we can say, what are you doing with this guy in the first round? Okay. Well, right. offer me a replacement, right? Like, right. uh, because it's all going to come together and it's, you know, the, they all, they're called way too early mocks. Because they all are, I think any mock before February is too early, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, be, because like you want to get the the Shrine Bowl, the Senior Bowl in, in there for me, that is right. when we get real news going. And then uh, stuff after the combine is what you pay attention to. But like, do you want to go look at a mock draft that somebody did in January right now? No, because it's worthless. You know what the, <laughs> happened in the NFL draft. It's yeah. not evergreen, which just kind of annoys me about. But you will look at it, which is why they exist. 100%. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's why I write them uh, begrudgingly every year. So, I've been, I've been uh, there. yep, we, we've all Ooh, done. This is um, a fun one. Okay. This one has here. Cameron Ward going eight to Seattle. That. Okay. <laughs> see, Dick, right. did you see? Yeah. All right. But yeah, by the way, that was uh you you didn't uh, you didn't get to see it live, Xavier, but Nick, when the Texans took Kenyon Green, Nick went I didn't, I didn't have a I didn't Ooh. realize I reacted. That was that was but the most that, like negative sound some, from Nick uh during the entire it was first just round. unexpected. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, oh Nick, yeah. speaking of that, did I send you oh I need to tag you? In I the just face enjoyed it because it was a noise for Texas AM. That's all. I, I need you to send I need to send you the 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 picture that Scott made, the face he made when the Pittsburgh Steelers took oh Leal. I can't remember who it was. Leal. But he ah. Uh, you talk about the, the, just disgusting. This is freezing cold takes worthy. Like, this guy ends up being great, and you're like, oh, I don't want the Aggie, Xavier. Come on. It wasn't about the pick. It was about the Aggie. I don't want to have to root for an Aggie. But, look, if he's good, <laughs> if he's on the Steelers for longer than four years, he's a Steeler now, right? He's, he's not always an no Aggie. longer an Aggie. Even he's if he no has longer an Aggie. He's just a Steeler. <laughs> right, exactly. So, same thing with guys from Oklahoma or anywhere else. They're, if, if they're there longer, uh, that's why, you know, uh, you could say that about Tucker too. Tucker was a Longhorn for four years, and uh, then he was a Raven for the rest of his career. So there you go. But uh, <laughs> all right, let's get into actual college football. Let's talk about this transfer portal because the window has closed for guys to um, enter the portal. Uh, when does it open up again, Nick? I'm not. I'm not even sure. So the deadline, as I understand it. And there are some things out there written. I know 247 Sports had one that, that was a pretty good uh, summary of everything a, a week or so ago. Uh, if I understand it correctly, and there's every chance that I don't, the May 1st deadline, the player had to have uh, in writing 
you know, to the school is intention to enter the transfer portal by May 1st. Um, that is, you know, come and gone. There's still some, uh, you know, names pop up here or there, uh, maybe just for, you know, logistics reasons or whatever. Uh, we just haven't, haven't seen him yet. I assume everybody's still, you know, uh, within, you know, that, that deadline, but that May 1st deadline is supposed to, uh, be what indicates whether or not a player will be eligible to, to use the one-time transfer for uh, the fall and winter uh, seasons. So that it includes basketball and, and other winter sports as well. Um, there's a lot of assumptions that uh, guys will be able to get waivers and still be eligible this fall and they've and turned winter. down some waivers recently though. Like they, they were handing them out like candy uh after 2020, but last year they, they started to ratchet that back. And I'm guessing that's going to be um a harder thing to push through moving forward. Right. My, my thought was that this May 1st thing, uh they, whoever they are is making a bigger <laughs> deal out of, out of it. And so right. it, it seems to be, uh, like, Hey, you know, May 1st, make sure you do this, make sure you do this. And, and, you know, maybe that means that it won't be as easy to get a waiver because they kind of made a, a bigger, uh, you know, point to say, this is the deadline, but we'll see. And I'm still a little, uh, unclear. And I know some things have been written. And I, maybe I'm just not smart enough to understand, uh, whether a transfer or, a, uh, grad transfers are any different if there's different rule, whatever, I don't know. So it's still, it, it's still a little bit unclear to me, but as I understand it, that deadline is, uh, you know, you had to be in the portal or, or in writing announced that you were uh, planning to enter the portal by that May 1st deadline to be eligible. But I'm sure there are some um, exemptions and, and, you know, exceptions uh, to that. I, I, I don't, I, I don't dare say that we're done. Uh, right. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and you will definitely be, uh, you, you will definitely be working on it for sure. Um, but the, the big news that we have is that Jordan Addison, uh, Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from Pitt, won the Boletnikoff award, uh, last season has entered the transfer portal. Every rumor I saw was he was 100% going to USC. They had given him the Lincoln Riley deal with, the house pretty much and from boosters however that works with nil i don't know how he get a free house but some somehow that was happening plus some big three million dollar deal like it was the whole thing right um but then we find out that he's in california but he's working out with bryce young and you have also noted here that uh addison also has ties to texas because his former position coach at Pitt, brendan marion is now on staff at texas um, there's also been, you know, there was an article on 247 about how Texas had to fend off NIL deals for Xavier Worthy to stay at Texas because he was getting some offers. Um, after losing Casey Rogers to the portal last week, Nebraska added uh, defensive line starters, uh, former Texas and former uh, TCU pass rushers, O'Shane Mathis and Devin Drew, um, or Devin Drew went to Texas Tech. Um, but, but th there's been, there's been a decent amount of movement. Uh, there's a lot of guys entering in now that will land at their school within the next week. So even though the May 1st deadline is passed, we will still get more news next week of guys we didn't know were entered and all that stuff. So like Nick said, the party never stops, but, uh, your thoughts on Jordan Addison, because Addison is an original Nick guy. 
Nick, you were huge on Addison uh, and, and have always liked him. So to see him win the award and now obviously get all this attention, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're loving it. But do you think he goes to USC? Do you think he ends up at Bama? I don't think he ends up at Texas. I think, you know, they got worthy. They got Nay or uh, I don't think he's going to go there. He would still be. He's number one wherever he goes. So he, he can go wherever. It doesn't matter to him and any team would take him. But do you have a good feel on where you think he ends up? I don't really. Um, I mean, USC makes sense because they just seem to be on just about every uh, big time transfer in, in some way. Um, they don't necessarily have that number one receiver on the roster now that Drake London is gone. Uh, you know, current Atlanta Falcons, great Drake London. Um, but, you know, it's 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 a very interesting thing to me. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, I don't have a strong opinion on you know tampering allegations or anything like that. I say, you know, if if a guy wants to wants to go somewhere else, sure, go for it. If he has you know good reason to go, and, and in addition, I mean, you mentioned Marion is gone, so Addison's position coach at Pitt is gone. His first round quarterback is gone. His offensive coordinator uh, is gone. Mark Whipple went to. Uh, Nebraska. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's to me, Jordan Addison has a, you know, pretty solid case beyond any NIL or money or, or whatever to just say, maybe this isn't the best place for me to be right now for, you know, for football reasons, uh, which is understandable. So it, it certainly, you know, if you are a pit fan and Jordan Addison has been a great, great player um, since basically day one at Pitt. Uh, so it'd be a huge, huge loss for them, though, as we'll talk about here in just a little bit when we talk about our updated power rankings, it's not as big a loss uh, from a overall team strength component as I would have guessed. Um, but, you know, he's a great player. And, and it wherever he goes, as you mentioned, I, I would have to expect he'll be um, the number one receiver. I mean, you, you know, he he was the best receiver in college football last year, according to the award that we give to the best receiver in, in college football. So um, it'll certainly be, uh, you know, I, I will be waiting with anticipation to see where he goes. Um, USC would be a really interesting fit because USC is going to be a really, really interesting team for all of us, but, but for me and for how our, uh, power rankings, you know, sort of treat USC uh, and, and the work that they're doing in the transfer portal. But I could see him as a fit at, you know, other places as well. And it would be a you know, decent story um, if he ends up back at Pitt, you know, just decided for whatever reason to, to finish his career there it would also be a, a decent story if he chooses to do that. Um, beyond Addison, the, the Nebraska news is is kind of interesting. There weren't as many sort of big names entering the portal as I think many of us expected beyond Addison. And that had been, we'd heard some whispers of, of that last week before it happened. But um, in this segment last week, we talked that Nebraska lost a couple of projected defensive linemen. And that looks like a position that could potentially, you know, be the biggest uh, question mark from a roster standpoint for a team like Nebraska that's trying to get back to bowl eligibility or, you know, save Scott Frost job or whatever, uh, they made two 
you know, pretty decent moves. Devin Drew was a starter at Texas Tech. Uh, O'Shawn Mathis has been a productive pass rusher at TCU, and it was down to Nebraska and Texas for his services, and Nebraska came out on top. So uh, that's a pretty big win, especially after losing uh, a couple of guys like they did last week. And, and you could make an argument that they upgraded because O'Shawn Mathis is a 100-rated uh, player. Uh, basically, you know, if we're comparing the way we uh, calculate individual player ratings, O'Shawn Mathis is worth the same amount in our projections as uh, Jordan Addison. So that's a yeah. you know, equally big move there. Um, but otherwise, there weren't a whole lot of uh, I, I thought we'd you know be talking uh, a lot more kind of have a longer list here. But it would much a fever pitch. Yeah, I kind yeah. of thought so, too. Um, uh, were any of these players in Nebraska added uh, coaches? Uh, obviously not, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that caught me off. Got there. him. Got him. Xavier, <laughs> <laughs> your thoughts on Addison, you know, as the Addison turns that we're getting right now in college football and um, the, the other transfer portal guys. I'm going to be pessimistic here. If Addison leaves at the time period in which he did, does that say more about Addison wanting to go play elsewhere or how bad Keaton Slovis has been in the spring? That's a, that, um, that's that's a wrinkle here that I don't think most people are talking about. Like if Addison thinks that Keaton Slovis could have been like, you know, Kenny Pickett light, or if he thought the guy, he, you know, he well, could have been a guy that helps him out, he may not have left. You know, okay, I'm just thinking but, but, but I think it's all NIL, man. You don't think I mean, it's, you can say like, it's all NIL, and, and like, I hate the people complaining about mm -hmm. the NIL stuff. I got to be honest. Like I just, it's not many guys getting these gigantic deals. That's the thing. It's not like every single player is getting $3 million, you know, right. uh, like there are a couple guys that are getting paid, but look at what happened to Justin Ross. I was right? just about to say the exact same thank thing. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. See, Nick and I are on the same page with Mike Tyson and Justin two, Ross. Uh, two uh, years uh, ago, he would be a, a, you know, top 10 mock guy right. and then ends up getting hurt and goes undrafted and didn't right. get a, you know, didn't get signed for a couple of days. Right. Yeah. So he's on the chiefs now. He's on the chiefs, right. though, Fantasy community going crazy going about crazy. him, but uh, come on, dude. <laughs> he's still, he's okay. You're behind Kelsey. You're behind Sky Moore. You're behind Juju. You're behind MVS. You're behind McCole Hardman uh, and Noah Gray and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And you know, and you're if still you don't, coming off a serious neck injury. If you don't, if you aren't good in the the you know eight weeks that you're going to get a chance to show how good you are, then you will not be on that team. You're an undrafted free agent. They do not care about you. So they have they they are not uh you know uh attached to you at all. Outside of they're the team that ended up signing you. So, uh, I mean, go to Kansas City. You put yourself with a good quarterback in a position to succeed. But, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just like like we just said, Justin Ross, a uh, guy that would have been a first-round pick, um, you know, after his freshman year, ends up with the spinal fusion and goes undrafted. That is why we like the NIL, because these Absolutely. guys can make money while they're making money. Because he would have made the, so the much money too. after that right. championship game. He would right. made so much money. But no, back to, uh, you know, the Jordan Addison situation. I mean, I don't think it's too far-fetched to, to create that that media firestorm to say, like, oh, yeah, Keenan Slovis just wasn't the guy, right? Like, let's be honest. Jermaine Burton left Georgia, okay, to go to Alabama. Bryce Young or Stetson Bennett? I mean, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to crap on my own quarterback, but, like, this is the situation at hand. We're trying to get right. to be the highest pick possible in next year's draft. 
Am I going to be able to do that with a guy who's the money slotted for rookies in the NFL? So the higher you go, the more money you're going to make off the bat. Exactly. You know, so if I'm Jordan Addison and and Keaton Slovis is throwing balls at my feet, you know, he's throwing in the double coverage against our secondary, who I might not even rate if I'm Jordan Addison. I'm going to go over and play with Caleb Williams or possibly Bryce Young in a situation that, you know, now I'm not only in primetime games every single week because USC and Alabama are more of a draw than Pittsburgh, but also because I've got two bona fide quarterbacks who I know can get me the football in the way I need to to, to succeed at the highest level. So, like, that's something that I'm just going to continue to, to push this narrative as I as as people transfer in the future. Like, hey, this guy transferred because this guy stinks. Like, that's that's essentially what I'm going to push going forward because it's, it's got to be an argument that's there because at the end of the day, especially at the receiver position, because, Hey, if your quarterback can't get you the football, your role as a receiver is ultimately diminished, which is why I'm shocked that, you know, we, we didn't see some movement from the Michigan state receivers after what I saw from Peyton Thorne at the spring game. <laughs> but, I mean, hey. So this is a, a pretty NFL heavy show more so than we, than we usually do. And I want to be careful because, you know, I love college football for college football, and I don't necessarily like that for some college football is basically just a vehicle for uh, the NFL draft and and to, you know, minor league for the NFL, what have you. Um, I love college football just for, for what it is. However, there is a certain subset of mm-hmm. players, you know, who have the potential to be one of those top, 32 players or, or whatever it is where, you know, it, that is kind of what it needs to be. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, 50 guys or a hundred guys who have a chance to be that. Yeah. If this, uh, the, if this is the only pro, uh, you know, proving ground allotted to me, uh, it has to be, you know, you have to make it fair. That that's yeah. kind of that's kind of the thing that that I think. So uh, I'm I'm with you in that. Uh, I college football, the pageantry of college football, the tradition is excellent. I don't ever want it to go away. Right. But I think you can pay these guys, you know, and have the same traditions that you have without it being completely tarnished. So, yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, the one percenters are the guys who are going to make these amazing amount of contracts, are going to have these NIL deals, the one that you're going to see in commercials. Like, those are going to be the guys, at the end of the day, that, yes, benefit the most from NIL. Most guys are going to get that, like, like that team deal. Yeah, they're, you know they're going mean? to get, like, you know, a, a couple thousand, couple maybe a couple tens of thousands, which is cool. Sure. You know, great. Yeah. I would have loved it in college. That's hey. spending money for those right. guys. Right. I would have loved yeah. a couple hundreds in college, right? Like, give right. me something, you know? Like, don't, like, I don't want to have to text my mom to go get some Carl's Jr. I'm just going to be honest. You yeah. know, like, that's just kind of the situation that college players were in before NIL, and that's more so what, we're arguing for at the end of the day. It's for the fringe guys, the you know, the offensive linemen doing all the dirty work, but obviously maybe not have the best smile that now can get, you know, he, he get a little deal out back where he has his own, you know, baked yeah. potato. And, and then cool. <laughs> like that's what we're arguing for. You're gonna leave with two knee surgeries and no money is not, you know, sure, maybe you have a degree, but uh uh, you know, it, it yeah, doesn't, and, it doesn't and, mean and the world for everyone. You can always nowadays. walk into an enterprise, as they always say, you know, former right. NCAA athletes or can always walk into an enterprise. But like, you know, I, I would like a little more money in my pocket along with it, yeah. if I could be honest. So exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. So let's talk about these updated rosters here, Nick, because now that the, you know, uh, transfer portal is, quote unquote, closed, like we said, there's still going to be news. We still have to figure out where Jordan Addison and a couple other guys are going that did submit their um, transfer intentions by May 1st. But for the most part, 
we're sealed up here. Uh, we are ready to start uh, the, you know, we're ready to start the season um, and, uh, you know, get into the, the real early preseason and all that good stuff. So um, what were the adjustments after all of these changes have been made? What, what were the biggest ones? Well, so, you know, this time of year, um, obviously there's a lot of movement that been transfers in and out a bunch, make those changes in our FBS team profiles every day. Um, but I don't always update the rankings because sometimes it's just too much, uh, you know, don't want to do it necessarily every day and say like, oh, uh, you know, USC moved up from 27 to 25, you know, and, and that that just seems like a little bit of overkill. So this time of year, I've kind of once a month update the overall power rankings and and step back and look at the changes. And, you know, around the first of the month is a, a pretty good time to do that. Released our first initial set of power rankings on April 1st. And then today, May 4th, um, did an update. And it's it's a little bit of a tricky time because Jordan Addison uh, is not currently on a roster in our FBS team profiles. Took him off of pit, but haven't, you know, added him to any of the uh, potential landing spots. And, you know, his his impact is noticeable. Pitt is still a top 20 team, but they were a little bit closer, uh, you know, to top 15 uh, with Jordan Addison on the roster. And, you know, you could argue that he probably, you know, is worth a little bit more than uh, the, the few percentage points that he accounts for in our model because um, he is, you know, arguably the, the best receiver in college football. Um, but I was, you know, it was interesting to me to see that not having Jordan Addison, if he does not come back, doesn't necessarily just completely tank pit. There's still going to be a solid team, a top 20 level team. Uh, they're, you know, defense has, has consistently been very, very good. Uh, create a lot of havoc, especially up front. And so Pitt's still going to be a tough out, even if Addison, you know, doesn't come back. But they were the biggest move for sure. Dropped from what thirteenth or something like that in April to nineteenth uh, now. But um, just running through our top ten, very little has changed. Alabama's still number one. Ohio State's still number two. And there is a clear tier break between those two. Uh, and number three, Georgia. Number four, Clemson. Number five, Texas A&M. Uh, number six, Oklahoma, number seven, Notre Dame, Cincinnati still hanging in the top 10, which seems too high uh, based on our earlier discussion. Uh, number nine, Utah, kind of an interesting, I, I, I think USC probably should be the favorite in the Pac-12, just how much they've improved the roster. Uh, but the way we calculate things still have Utah number one, and honestly, I still trust Utah more than any other Pac-12 team, so I kind of understand that, uh, or, or kind of happy about that, I should say. Um, and then number 10, Michigan, which is, you know, pretty solid. But uh, for the most part, other than the pit change, um, not a whole lot has has changed. Uh, okay. Because Jackson Dart didn't look great in the spring game. Yeah. Um, I sort of you know slashed him and Luke Altmeyer at quarterback but there's not a big drop off there so I think I think Ole Miss dropped you know one or two spots um uh, but but for the most part other than Pitt 
And then, you know, Arizona State keeps sliding because they keep losing guys to the transfer portal. A few others, you know, the the uh, West Virginia jumped up a little bit after JT Daniels, um, you know, committed there. Uh, but for the most part, the list that we put out on on April 1st, very, very similar to the the one that we put out today. But Yeah, uh, so interesting. A uh, couple moves, nothing major. Uh, you know, Jordan Addison could give someone a decent boost, but wherever he goes, they're already a pretty solid team. So probably not going to make overall uh, that much different difference in the strength ratings it will it'll boost somebody but we're not sure who it is yet um now i, I like this um uh this is uh what you've kind of put together here the offensive position groups that could keep a team from the college football playoff a conference title or bowl eligibility i like this um you have a couple examples listed here so um, I'll just kind of let you uh, lead this here, Nick. Is there a group in particular that you think, oh, man, this team is playoff bound if they get X fixed or this team is not playoff bound because I don't think they can get X fixed? Is there one of those that like leaps off the page to you? Well, so we've teased this uh, a little bit over the, the last couple of weeks. And one of the things that we do in our FBS team profiles is we have uh, not only the team strength ratings, uh, but we have individual player ratings and then build those into uh, unit and position ratings. So, you know, Alabama, for instance, said they're our number one team overall, pretty clear preseason number one. Um, you know, Bryce Young at quarterback is a maximum rated player, but the depth behind him is, you know, it, it drops off a, a, a bit. Um, they're just not quite as deep at quarterback as, as maybe some other teams. And so Alabama is third in our quarterback position rankings. Not, I mean, they're, they're elite elite and, and Bryce Young is about as good as it gets reigning Heisman Trophy winner, obviously. So, you know, quarterback is, is certainly not going to be the thing unless an injury hits. Um, that's going to keep Alabama from winning a national title running back, especially since they added Jameer Gibbs to that group of, you know, several former five and former four or uh, high four star running backs receiver keeps getting better and better added Jermaine Burton, as Xavier mentioned earlier, um, you know, recruit at a really, really high level. They're number six in our wide receiver and tight end position rankings. That might actually even be a little low just because the, the unit as a whole is a bit inexperienced. If they got Jordan Addison, uh, that you would you would say that they're for sure going to be in the top five, top three type level at that position. And it's not a huge drop because they obviously Alabama recruits incredibly well. But the one position, if we were to look offensively, that could maybe hold them back is probably offensive line. Uh, it's 12th. The offensive line is, is 12th in our, uh, position rankings nationally. That is only fifth in the sec. So, uh, it was a unit that in some ways was a little bit of a weak spot for Alabama last year. They ranked 45th in our O-line performance ratings. They lost a first round draft pick, one of the top tackles, uh, in the country. And, you know, they've, they've added, uh, an interesting piece through the transfer portal. Tyler Steen probably going to take over at left tackle uh, after starting 30 games for Vanderbilt. But still, at least on paper, the way we calculate things, 
that offensive line is perhaps, you know, the weakest offensive unit for Alabama. And you could make an argument might be the, the biggest question mark or the thing that stands in the way uh, for Alabama winning another national title. Other teams high on the list, you know, Ohio State, I'm not sure there is a weak spot. Right. Um, I mean, number one, QB class, C.J. Stroud is also a 100-rated player, and they've got depth at that position. Uh, Trayvon Henderson, about as good as it gets at running back, and they're deep there, so they're sixth at running back. Fourth at receiver, and that's, you know, a lot of people would argue uh, too low. And they do actually have our number one offensive line. Didn't play like it quite last year, but from a pure talent standpoint, it's there. So we'll talk defense another day. That probably is, you know, the biggest thing for Ohio State. Um, but right now, they don't necessarily have a weak spot. Georgia, I'm surprised Xavier beat me to it, talking about Stetson Bennett uh, being the weak spot. Said, you know, why Burton left for – why Jermaine Burton left for Alabama – I know he's a national championship winning quarterback. He has, you know, proven tons of people wrong, myself included. I had been skeptical at times of Stetson Bennett, but he's got the trust of the coaching staff, you know, obviously has uh, enough of the locker room, what have you. But if, if there is something that could stand in the way offensively for Georgia getting back to the college football playoff, I think it might be the quarterback position. So, um, you know, I certainly could be proven wrong there, but I, I think at least on paper, it's still the weakest position for Georgia. But on that note, a lot of these teams that we're going to talk about sort of in our top 10, you know, Clemson quarterback is a, is a question. Um, Texas A&M quarterback is the question. Oklahoma, even though I really like Dylan Gabriel, quarterback is the question. Notre Dame quarterback is the question. Utah, I mean, yeah, Cam Rising played really, really well last year. They're Bigger issue, I think, is probably skill position, talent, you know, playmakers out wide. Similar for NC State, who has, you know, national championship, uh, ex, you know, playoff hopes, I guess, ACC title expectations. Um, but quarterback after Alabama and Ohio State, at least sort of at the top, uh, you know, playoff contention level, there's a there's a bit of a drop off there, so I think that was the the biggest uh, thing I learned from from looking at each position group is, you know, there there are a lot of teams that we think will be able to compete for conference titles and and you know uh, maybe make a run at, at the college football playoff, and we know Dave Doran's called Devin Leary the the best quarterback in the country, uh, you know he's got a Perhaps I saw him on a couple of those mocks. Uh, I saw yeah, him, uh, it, right. it, at least at least kind of at the bottom of the <laughs> list, you know, of like saying also, you know, honorable mentions or however they do it in those. So, uh, you know, Le Leary could break out. It wouldn't be the most shocking thing. But Xavier, when you look at um, these position groups on offense, is there uh, a group that you go, yeah, I could really see this holding them up? Well, of course, you know, I was I just the, the blasphemy that, that that Nick has with the numbers as far as Stetson Bennett being, you know, you said, it. It, it, you know, you, you know, it. but it, it's not it's not that he's not the on paper, the greatest quarterback there. It's the fact that it's an eighth ranked in the, in the conference. And when I look around the SEC right now, I, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't know eight quarterbacks better than Stetson Bennett coming into the year. And, and let me say this much. I don't know eight quarterbacks that I trust more than Stetson Bennett 
coming into the that, year. That's a good point. I will concede that. Let um, me ask you this, Xavier. What round does Stetson Bennett get drafted in? What do you mean? What are we talking about? We talk about, we talk, we talk about? We talk about the draft. We talking about you know selling car insurance because if that's number one, <laughs> I mean he could sell he could sell used cars in Athens for the rest of his life and make a killing. So okay. I mean, you know, all right, you I, made my point. So you're good. <laughs> you know, honestly, I hope he goes like day three, day two, third round. Somebody just takes a takes a. I hope he goes before where Malik Wills went this year. I, I hope he goes before where Jake Fromm got drafted. Jake Fromm was, a, if I'm not mistaken, a fourth or fifth round pick by the Bills. I hope he gets taken before that. I think that would just be, you know, that, that would just be funny to me. Uh, but no, <laughs> well, when, when you look at some of the other teams, especially, we could talk about Georgia, but I won't hit on it right now because I think, like Nick said, this is on offense, even though I think Georgia's biggest weakness of the team right now might be on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he hit the head on the nail on the head when he talked about Clemson. That is a quarterback situation that I think is really weird in the fact that Cade might be the best quarterback, but DJ might be the best runner of the quarterback. Like he might just be able to run the system better than what Cade can do right now, just due to mental reps at this per- at this point. Uh, I, I see a, another Kelly Bryant-like situation over there, to be perfectly honest with you. I think that's what we're looking at. I think we're looking at that 2.0. Um, I'm actually surprised to see Michigan as far as the quarterback situation. And is that because of the fact that they do run a quarterback, uh, a two-quarterback system, Nick? Or is that because neither one of those uh, or or neither one of those quarterbacks, even if they were the main guy, would be considered uh, you know, the best quarterback possible? Well, so this this is how we calculate things. And mm-hmm. and Kate McNamara is Somewhat similar to Stetson Bennett, although he was a higher recruit, a higher rated recruit than uh, Stetson Bennett. But he's he's relatively low rated uh, in our calculations because we do take the two four seven rating, which Kate McNamara was over ninety. But uh, you know, adjust that uh, for experience and then career production. He's a junior now, so he's moved up, um, but just hasn't hit those production points and, and for quarterbacks those are things like you know 300 yard passing games 100 yard rushing game conference player of the week uh 10 yards per attempt in a game things like that and that's just not you know Caden McNamara is not asked to do those sorts of things JJ right. McCarthy elite player rating coming out of high school I mean you know 98.7 or whatever it was by 247 uh he's actually a slightly because of the formula we use, a, a slightly higher rated um, overall player than Cade McNamara. He's an 87, McNamara's an 85, uh, but because he doesn't play all that much, you know, hasn't picked up any production uh, points. So mm-hmm. I think it's more what they do in the offense. Uh, you know, they just haven't been able to add to that sort of raw adjusted experience uh, talent rating. Um but, uh, you know, for, for McCarthy, it's it's lack of overall snaps, just sort of lack of playing time, I think. Because I, I believe, because he can run, you know, we, yeah. they put him in running situations and, and uh, obviously was highly thought of enough to, to uh, be rated, if not a five-star, very close very, coming very out of high school. Um, I would think he would give Michigan a little bit of a boost, uh, but because McNamara's, you know, he was a starter last year and uh, was healthy to go through spring. McCarthy wasn't there really to uh, compete. Um, they're they're a little lower rated than you might expect, but I think right. part of it, yeah, McNamara just hasn't been asked to do that much. And same, uh, not same situation, but 
with Baylor, did that number change a ton after the decision to to start um, to not start Bohannon? So it didn't change a ton because I kind of rigged it <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, on occasion, uh, if you look at our team profiles, you'll see a, a green number for production points. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some sometimes. Uh, in the spring I'll, I'll do it occasionally with like a true freshman who uh you think is going to have a, a major impact or something might add a couple of points uh there but i gave blake shapen basically enough points to equal gary bohannon and, and you could argue that bohannon was a little overrated um as a you know 87 ish right. type player so i i Actually, didn't even get shaping quite that high because he wasn't super highly rated coming out of high school. Is just a sophomore, has only made two starts. I gave him five extra points, and he's still, you know, an eighty-one point nine. So Baylor saw a little bit of a drop, and they're a tricky team uh, for that reason because you would expect, you know, if he's better than Bohannon, he should have a rating that's at least equal to, if not better than Bohannon. Right. Um, so it's a it's a possible flaw or not even possible. It's a, it's a flaw in the way that we calculate things, but I do try to be somewhat consistent, but mm-hmm. yes, there was a drop, but I tried to make it not a, you know, not right. a huge drop. They didn't drop off a cliff. Cause in, in theory they're upgrading. Right. Right. So, yeah. <clears throat> okay. And this is just cause I want to take a dig at this team. I'm honestly shocked to see Wisconsin at five. Uh, at the quarterback position, uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you. With with how Graham Mertz has played, Graham Mertz is – he's like three games away from being Shea Patterson 2.0. Can you get negative production points? I just have that. It's, well, a well, random, I, I it's random that this has come up with when you mentioned Graham Mertz, but I just have a question about that. Well, so, Shea Patterson was the first player you – So I did – so I do – there is a – what I call an eye test override, and it is usually – uh, one of those green numbers where it gets a guy better, but on occasion, uh, a guy's just you know not playing up to that player rating. And I I uh, toggled with it last year with Adrian Martinez. Some Shea Patterson's gotten that treatment. Uh, guys like you know Tate Martell, which it doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, <laughs> JT Daniels got it as well, just because he hasn't you know couldn't beat out Stetson Bennett. But I I haven't uh, given Graham Mertz the override quite yet. And he was a high, high four-star guy. So he actually is an 89 player rating now because he started 20 games. He's a junior. So experience is, is, you know, not holding him back anymore. Uh, But he has not been particularly productive. He had one excellent, excellent game in 2020. And that's basically it. So uh, it's, it is absolutely possible that, uh, Graham Mertz is overrated. I kind of, uh, I, I, I feel uh, exposed a bit right now, Xavier, by by your questions because <laughs> I kind of chose to uh, rig's not the right word, but not overcorrect here because I think in other ways Wisconsin is a little underrated, like on the offensive mm-hmm. and defensive line. So having Mertz, you know, at his natural rating, so to speak kind of helps even that out a little bit. But um, I, I try to keep my opinion out of these sort of things as best I can. But you're bringing up a couple of instances where I absolutely let my opinion 
uh, come into play <laughs> a little bit because I, I feel like Wisconsin is um, sort of appropriately rated at 13th overall in our team strength ratings. But part of what's propping them up is a likely overrating for our Grand Mertz. And my last question, because I, if we're going to tear down the numbers, we're going to tear down the numbers. Hey, I'm I'm already bleeding, so just finish me <laughs> off. Let's go. Does LSU's quarterback number change depending on who gets picked? Obviously, we talked about last week them having pretty much three guys that might mm-hmm. end up being the starting quarterback coming into the year. They're currently ranked fifth in the conference um, and 21st in the FBS. Does that change depending on if it's Nussmeyer or, or you know, are you just do you currently do you just have Daniel slotted in there, or because he's a highly rated guy, or you know, mm-hmm. right now uh, I treat those three as co-starters. So okay. it's an average of uh, the three player ratings. Daniel's is the highest rated. Um, part of that is his true freshman season that was propping him up a little bit. Uh, he's a 96, which is probably too high. Um, Miles Brennan is a 90, almost a 92. Garrett Nussmeyer, Richard freshman, so he's not, you know, the, the experience, the biggest part of it, is only uh, an 83.75. So, yes, to in theory, if Jaden Daniels wins this job, LSU's rating would go up because I would take away the the other two. Um, so that 96 would, would count the most instead of being spread. Right now it's treated like LSU's quarterback is a 90.7. Um, if Miles Brennan wins the job, it'll be basically the same rating. Uh, if Garrett Nussmeyer wins the job, they would they would fall a little bit. Um, but that's that's a tricky it's a tricky scenario because in theory, um, very similar to, to what's going on at Baylor. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're choosing the best quarterback. So if Garrett Nussmeyer is the best quarterback, you would think, well, should I just give them the highest rated quarterback in that spot anyway? So it's, it's, it, it, it does, uh, especially with quarterback competitions, uh, raise some kind of tricky scenarios because it could cause a team to be, you know, I don't think any of us have a ton of confidence in Jaden Daniels. Uh, and if he wins this job, the, our, you know, LSU would, we're already high on LSU at 11. It could push LSU to seven, eight, something like that. I mean, uh, because he would, Jaden Daniels would be a top 10 quarterback, is a top 10 quarterback the way we rate things. Do I believe Jaden Daniels will play like a top 10 quarterback? Maybe not. So it's it's a tricky scenario, and, and sometimes I have to reevaluate. He could be on the list for uh, a possible you know, downgrade in that 247 rating. Sometimes I've, I've looked into uh, changing their high school rating to uh, the, the rating because 247 Sports has been giving a new rating. So I, I could potentially – you know, make that switch, uh, seeing what Jaden Daniels was as a transfer. I would assume he's not a 96 anymore, but that could help, you know, if he wins the job, if I feel like right. you know, we've got them too highly rated, could make that move. There's some things we could do to, to, you know, play with the numbers a little bit to, again, you know, like I try to avoid, put my opinion in there a little bit. Um, 
but it's a it's a great question. It's it's have have you some decisions have, you, have to be made sometimes. Have you hand adjusted uh, many positions that um that aren't quarterback? Um, on occasion. It's, on occasion, but quarterbacks have been most of them, right? Quarterback carries the most weight, absolutely. Yeah, and one guy can can make a big difference. Um, so it definitely gets the most attention. Um, but sometimes, I mean, yeah, there, there've been, uh, you know, some, some offensive and defensive linemen who those are just difficult positions to evaluate coming out of high school. Some guys get, you know, four-star ratings, uh, just because they're six, six, 310 pounds, you know, I mean, and, and very little actual football, um, you know, play goes in. I mean, I, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it. I know the, the right. talent evaluators do a good job, but it, they're just difficult positions. There's a lot more projection there and a lot more is based on measurables in my estimation. Um, so there are some guys who are late bloomers and, and, you know, it's difficult for production points to, uh, you know, it's difficult to, to, add a lot of production points for offensive linemen for right. interior defensive linemen. So those positions will, uh, get some adjustments. Um, but usually running back receiver, that'll take care of itself. Cause those guys will, you know, pick up production points for being, you know, on the field. super productive, yeah. uh, big time playmakers on defense, same thing guy, you know, just blossoms into, uh, a, a an elite pass rusher that's going to show up in the uh, production points. So it, it's more difficult along the line of scrimmage. So other than quarterback, that that's probably what gets most attention. Fair. Well, I can't wait for next week when we talk about the Longhorn secondary in uh, positions that could hamper overrated. your team. Yeah. Oh, oh. Top ten secondary. Not Texas. So, not uh not not te- not Texas and overrated that those don't belong in the same sentence at all so you know maybe maybe uh, we just need to you know we'll, we'll rewind cut this segment off it never happened uh, I'll go back <laughs> I'll make some I'll make some adjustments I'll, I'll, uh, we're gonna call I'll, them the Xavier adjustments Xavier question adjustments yeah so. <laughs> yep I've made some notes based on Xavier's feedback we'll reevaluate things we'll reconvene next week and we'll talk for the very first time about That's how we get better folks. groups that could yeah. uh, how we get better folks. your team. Yeah. It's rep. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's important. I'm, so. I'm, you know, I, I try to be very upfront that my process is important. Yeah. Um, so I, I try not to, you know, like I'm, I'm not offended at all or, or, you know, yeah, I, I don't want to get defensive of, of this stuff because because these are absolutely, I mean, these are questions that should be asked. When and you ask what the 13 herbs and spices are that make up CFP winning edge, Nick is going to tell you. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Uh, and, exactly. and, uh, and there obviously are, you know, there's, there is lots of uh, art that goes into the science of this. I mean, we put numbers on, some things that it's very difficult to put numbers on. And, and I try to be, you know, I'm, I'm not a math major. I was a sports studies major, which is a whole other story. Um, but uh, the, you know, I, I understand that, that our process is not 
100% perfectly rooted in, um, you know, gory math. Uh, there's there's some, you know, massaging of the numbers in, in some of these things. Um, and there are just some things that we have to do that with. But there are, uh, I don't know. But I, I'm I'm rambling, but Xavier brings up <laughs> some great points, and I I've, yeah. I've thought about a lot of them, and I'm glad that you're you're raising them because you know I think about them a lot, but I don't necessarily voice them, you know, or my thought process mm-hmm. uh, for the world to see, and even some of our Patreon supporters might not necessarily know kind of what the thinking is on on some of these. So uh, if the question's not asked, I don't get a chance to explain. And perhaps my explanation makes sense. Perhaps it makes you question every single number we put out. I, you know, that's understandable as well. So uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you asked. And that is and why I'm here. That, that hey, my purpose. You know what? <laughs> it's uh, it's a very valuable role. Uh, in addition to all the other insight you bring, keeping me on my toes about like, hey, this this number doesn't. Something smells a little funny. That's uh, that's important. And it's helpful. So uh, hopefully we try to keep those to a minimum and I'm sure you will root them out <laughs> the, the little that they're there. But uh, most of the time there's, there's been some thought put into it and there's a little bit of a, a method to the madness, but sometimes it's just, it's a tricky thing, you know, like I mean, I know you, yeah. back, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, you've seen, I mean, we, we've seen on the podcast before when the numbers are, when I can't do anything but agree with the numbers, I agree with the numbers. I, you know, you know, that's, that's at the end of the day, that's what they're, you know, what they're there for because you do yeoman's work when it comes to the numbers. First off, once again, we want to talk about the amount of sheets that Nick has been through throughout this podcast of three years, probably more than I've been through them for the remainder of my life. Remember I'm only 25 (laughs) and for the remainder of my life, I probably won't be through those many sheets. So when the numbers are there and and they're, they're good, I got nothing to say, but yeah. looking for depth charts. Well, no they're not perfect, better. but they're you know nothing. Nothing is perfect, right? Right, right. Uh, like there are a lot of tools that can hopefully, hopefully, we provide a lot of value. I'm really excited about the returning production database, which will be published here in the next day or two. Um, but you know, it's not perfect. It's a tool. PFF does a ton of stuff. They're not perfect. But that's a, a useful tool, tool. right? You know, uh, and and uh, all basically any any source that you look uh, to for college football, probably not perfect, but hopefully each little bit, you know, there's there's some value there, and hopefully we bring some value. But absolutely, you know, there there are some areas where we've got room for improvement, and, and uh, you know, I'll uh, keep working to try to make those smaller and smaller. And, I'm, gonna let, I'm, I'm gonna let Nick in on a little secret. Returning production is my favorite stat. I actually use it in a ton of conversations. Like genuinely, it is the number one stat I use in every friend conversation when they ask me about a team coming into the year. It's what I actually lead off with. So well, as I got, fan, returning production is like my thing. I'm like, yeah. Have I got a uh, Google sheet for you? <laughs> I'm actually I, like when you said the returning production was coming in the next like one or two days, I was like, check your yes. check your inbox. Hot off the yeah. press. Let's go. Not 100 percent Make them sign up for the Patreon, Nick. Come on. Uh, <laughs> but look, if you're wondering how the show works, by the way, Nick makes the numbers. Xavier questions the numbers. I throw in quippy one-liners. That's exactly how this show is designed. And it's a lot of fun. And we hope you guys enjoy it. 
Next week, we'll be taking a look at these uh, defensive uh, groups uh, like we did the offensive groups. Xavier, well. be ready to... to uh, yep. Xavier's already got questions. I've already into, got some one-liners queued up. Uh, D-line versus linebacker in relation to players mm-hmm. like Will mm-hmm. Anderson. I know that. I know. Yep. You know what's coming. <laughs> you know what's coming. And, and he knows how to answer. But that is going to wrap it up for this week, guys. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can follow us all on Twitter. Follow me at, at Bogman Sports on Twitter, at CFP Winning Edge for Nick, and he at likes Xavier underscore Trish. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Be like Xavier and follow me on Twitter. Finally, (laughs) after three years at Xavier underscore Trish, Tara, I C H E on the Twitter. And we will see you guys next week. Nick is the guy that throws in one liners. Look at that. We'll see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music to learn more about CFB winning edge visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge.